Amen. The word works. Amen. The word works. But we have to work the word. And we have to apply the word. The word works. And that's what we've been talking on. This is part five, how to apply faith and win. I hope that you kept your notes from last week. And hey, good job, good job. Good job. You're my people. Amen. And uh, if you don't have them, we can get them to you. Uh, but what I want to do is I literally laid out some of the major points of how to apply faith. Because faith, the word works, but our responsibility is to apply faith to the word. And so I laid out three major steps of applying faith to win. But under the last one, uh, it's basically the ways of faith. And I laid out like nine steps under that so that you can have them. These are some things that if you will pay attention to and grow in, they will become very, very useful in your lives and you will win. You know, it's not that the devil doesn't attack you. Right. It's that when you get attacked, you know what to do right. and you step into victory every time. Right. Every time. Just this week, just this week I was actually, uh, I don't know if you, you caught this or not, but on the daily broadcast, Oh, by the way, on the daily broadcast, so there's three major points and then nine, under the, uh, nine points under that one. On the daily broadcast, we started it this week, going over each one of these in detail so that you would know how they apply in scriptures to back them up. I'm going to give you the overview this morning, but we're going over them in detail on the broadcast. But the other day I was talking about what was, uh, you know, I just, I want to be real open with you and honest in uh, multiple ways, but I want to show you something today. Now, this week on the broadcast, we were talking about healing as an example, and we were talking about that sickness and disease is, is illegal in the body of Jesus. And if I'm in Christ and he's in me, then it should be illegal in me, and I shouldn't see it as normal. But yet we've had some things that appear normal, like, for instance, uh, a common cold or it's flu season or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, that's just life, right? But it's not just life. Life is without that. The fullness of life is in Christ. Or we may say, well, I'm, I'm allergic to stuff. You know, or I have allergies or sinus stuff and things like that. So uh, when Nicole and I first got married, she had it where she could not eat any raw fruit. She had been allergic all of her life, but she really liked strawberries. Well, we just decided it was our first uh, anniversary, and we, were, uh, we had actually gone to a service, drawn, drove halfway across the country and uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, to a thing called One Day, where they were worshiping out in the field uh, for a couple of days. And so that was our first anniversary, so we spent our anniversary uh, driving out there, and we stayed in this hotel, and uh, we were eating that morning in the hotel, and... Uh, <laughs> I remember it took every bit of money we had to get out there and get home. Because uh, it's one thing to get out there, it's another thing to get back home. And uh, it took everything that we had to get out there and get home. But we were worshiping God, and that's how we celebrated our first year anniversary, was worshiping the Lord. And what a blessing. Well, we were eating breakfast that morning, and there were strawberries there. And she wanted some strawberries. And, and I think both of us were just like, you know what? This is not right that you've been allergic to the, these strawberries and raw fruits and different things. This is not right. And so right there, we just said, Lord, in Jesus' name, we just apply the blood of Jesus over her, and she's not allergic anymore in the name of Jesus. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I, she said, it's done. And she went to eating, and she's never had that allergy ever since then. Just like that. Amen. So what was interesting, I want, I want you to see, the word works. The word works, but we have to work the word. So my family, specifically my dad, uh, has always had allergies bad. Like I can remember him mowing the grass when I was little and just like, you know, his, his you know, blood pouring out of his nose, just bad allergies. And I never had it that bad, but I noticed that I still would have some every now and then. Well, I don't know if you noticed this, but this week when I was talking about if it's not in Christ, it shouldn't be in us, 
supernaturally, the, the Lord brought up this word, allergies and sinus stuff. And do you remember me talking about that the other day? And I didn't know it, but within about a day, the devil was going to attack me with sinus stuff and allergy. And uh, that's what you've been hearing some this morning. And uh, so, and you know, no pain, no fever, nothing like that, but just allergy to sinus. Abigail's had it bad. Well, I just, the other day, when, when I said that, when I said that in the broadcast, I felt it. I was like, I need to stand up for that for good. Now, I hadn't had any issue in months and months and months. But a lot of times I'd have one time in the spring, one time in the fall, something like that. And, and I said, you know what? Like, I shouldn't have this. And, and I knew when the Holy Ghost had me speak that word, that wasn't just for everybody else. That was for Brian. That was for me to apply. And then a couple of days later, here come some fall allergies or whatever. And I'm like, that dirty dog. You, you dirty dog. Now see, this is what I want you to see. When you see that somebody continues to win in Christ, it's not that it's not challenged. The word works, but the devil will challenge it. But whose job is it to stir up the gift within ourselves? And whose job is it to resist the devil? Ours. Jesus has done his work, but we have to apply it. And how do we apply it? We apply our faith. We apply our faith. So as I'm giving you this morning, I'm going to win over those allergies. And I'm believing, I was telling Nicole this morning, we're not going to have that in our family anymore. That allergy stops with this generation and it will not go further. It will not go further. Now, I think a lot of people would be afraid to tell you stuff like that because it's like, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, if I find myself and he's tried it again, throwing symptoms on me, I'm going to come against it again. And I'll keep on coming against it until that power is completely broken. Completely broken. I will not have it. What do I know based off of what we were talking about the other day? The Word works, and the Word is working in me now. It's working in me right now. It's working in me right now. It's bringing about. The Word's working in you right now. You got healed of fibromyalgia about one year ago. But let me tell you, that's not when it started working in you. That's when the manifestation came. The Word started working in y'all the first time you came into the building. The Word was implanted. You started asking for prayer. That Word started working in you. And then we prayed and got the manifestation that night a year ago. Glory to God. The Word's working in you. It's bringing you. Uh, Romans chapter 8, and I believe it's verse uh, 14. Let's go there real quick. The Word works. Oh, excuse me, verse 11. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He will give life. He will give life. He will give life to your mortal body. In other words, if the same spirit that brought Jesus from death back to life is living in you, then he will bring your mortal body to life, to fullness of life, to overflowing life in you. And that anointing is working in you now. It's working in me. It's working in you. I have to apply it the same way you do. I, have, I might get challenged at times, just like you might get challenged at times. Don't look bad on somebody that the devil's attacking. Many times he's attacking because they're doing the right thing. Sometimes it can be because they missed it as well. But you, you just stand and agree with them. Oh, no. Oh, I see the enemy has tried to come against you. I'm going to stand with you because we are here as the body of Christ to destroy the works of the enemy. You see how even my voice is getting stronger as that anointing. When, what am I doing here this morning? Because I really, like when I woke up this morning, I was like, it would be real nice just to lay here and stay in the bed all warm and cuddly. This would be real nice. And I could, you know, I could, I could make it. No. The word works. We're going we're gonna to see this. We got to work the word. Yeah. We got to work our faith. Amen. 
Where that's one of the steps that's in here. You say, Lord, you're working in me. I see it. I understand. Even right now, I feel the best that I've felt the whole time. Why? Because I'm stepping out into the things of God. I'm applying faith in the word of God. And when you start doing that, that anointing starts revving up on the inside. It starts knocking out sicknesses, allergy. It starts knocking that junk out of you. Yes, we're in a corrupted world that's got all kinds of corruption. But we have a God. We're in Christ yeah. where the fullness of life is yeah. and that overflow comes through. That's, that's who we're called to be. Some people I've noticed, some, you know, some ministers before, they've tried to hide all that stuff. Look, I'd rather you deal with it. You've got a man who's not Jesus. I appreciate your honor this morning for my birthday and all that kind of stuff. But if it weren't for Jesus, you would not like me. And I wouldn't like you. <laughs> and I needed him. I needed him badly. Very much bad. I needed him. And we need him. We need him. The word works. But we have to, uh, we have to work the word. He says this in Jeremiah. 23, 29, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. The word of God, the word of God is a fire that will start to melt away every bit of trash in our lives. It's like a hammer, like I talked about a few weeks ago. When you break up new soil that's been so hard, and clumpy, and all of a sudden you got to have it broken up so that the seed can start to sprout and get some roots in the ground. The Word of God will start to break up that soil that's been holding you back. The Word of God will burn out of you stuff that you didn't even know needed burning out. It will purify your life. It's a fire and a hammer. Isaiah 55, 11. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return unto me empty, or the King James says, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what I sent it to do. That's the King James. It will not return unto me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. In the New Living, it says this. It's the same with my word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. Say that with me. The word, the word. Always, always produces fruit. It always produces fruit in me. The word always produces fruit in me. Use me as a practical illustration this morning. That is the devil still trying to attack me? Well, you can hear it. You can hear it in, in this. But what's happening? The Word's working in me right now. It's working in me right now. It's working in me right now. I know it. Why do I know it? Because I know that Word. I know it. It's working in me right now. It's bringing about health. It's bringing about healing. Isn't it funny? You will preach on health and healing, and a couple days later he tries to get you sick. The devil is a rotten scoundrel. He's a liar. He's a jerk. He is. Try to get you in that place right before you got meetings with Brother Tracy. Right before your birthday when it's supposed to be all joyful and everything. He's a jerk. Isn't he? How about this? How many people had a week? You know what I'm talking about. You had a week. Right before. You step into meetings. So when you come into a meeting, you should be like, Whoo, glory to God, we got, we're going to have a great service this morning, and then Brother Tracy's tonight, wow! You know, and you should be like that. And you're walking in like this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ain't no grave going to keep me in. Now, I know y'all have never been there. Have you noticed the pattern yet? I found out we, we coined this phrase years ago. 
It's not coincidence. It's coordination. Because I started to watch. And all of a sudden, when days ought to be the biggest, ought to be the biggest, and they'd be the worst, the least. I'd watch it. Days ought to be the most exciting ever. And people would walk in like this. What's going on? Pastor. No, don't pastor me. You better put on some hope and expectation. That's not my job to live life for you. I've told you what to do. You know, I'm having to put it on, or I had to. I'm, I'm pretty much there now, but I had to put it on this morning, right? I had to put it on. Yeah. I got to do the same thing you do. The word works, yeah. but we have to work the word. We have to apply faith. He says this, New Living, I'll read it again. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. Always. Did you know it's always working in me right now? It's always working in you right now. If, if you're working it, it's working in you. If you receive it, have it. It's working in you. Even hear my voice. You know, part of the reason why I turned it over to Nicole real quick is when I said, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. My, my, my throat went. <laughs> my eyes teared up. Why? Because I had an attack going on. But now you can hear me. I'm, I'm speaking now stronger than I have all morning. And it's like building. It's getting stronger. What's happening? The word's working. See, I'm not supposed to be up here and be like, look at me, I got it all together. And you peons need to work on yourself. <laughs> and see, a lot of people think that. And so they're like, well, it just always works for pastor. A pastor's got to put it on too. Just like you. I got to work the word. Now, I may have a few more habits down pat. I may have had a little bit more experience. I may have had more time with the word. That's okay, fine. But I'm taking you there quickly. You're not going to take as long as it took us. That's what a good leader does. He draws people up fast. So that you will start to work the word. Quicker than we ever did. You'll see results quicker than we ever did. Just uh, not too long ago, I was telling Deb, she was in here earlier, I was telling her, I was like, you're facing something in like five years that took Nicole and I 15. I was telling y'all something just the other day. You've been here for months. You're already doing something. took us years to get to. That's what a good leader does. It draws us up to victory quick. But you've got to be around some people that have actually been in victory, that know how to win, know how to win. Know how to win. Know how to see the manifestation. Know how to see, you know, in Hebrews 6, 12, it says, follow those or imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Forget about preaching it and talking about it if you don't see a manifestation. And he says, look, if, you're not, if you have leaders that aren't seeing a manifestation, you don't even need to follow people right. like that, much less a pastor. Right. It needs to be that they are seeing the healing power of God, the miracle working power of God, souls being saved, disciples being made. You need to see the power of God at work in the body and in the leader, in the pastor, or else you don't need to follow them. You don't need to follow. Can you see that? There's a verse we were talking about the other day, 2 Timothy, I think it's 3, 5. And it basically says this. It says, uh, in the last days, and it gives a bunch of stuff that people will be doing. One of the things at the end says, they, they will, uh, let me just read it to you. Let me just read it to you. 2 Timothy 3, 5. I went too far. Holding to a form of godliness, in other words, they go through the motion, though they have denied its power. In other words, they go through the motions of godliness. They still have services. They still have, well, I mean, this year, maybe they have services, maybe they don't. 
But they holding to a form of godliness, they say the right things, they might even look the right way, but there's not manifestation. They've denied its power. In other words, we may even preach. I know I've watched ministers for years preach about healing, but I cannot tell you the last time they saw healing happen. They talk about provision, but they don't don't believe in it. They believe in a worldly wisdom, but not a supernatural provision. This is, they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. What does the next part of that verse say? Avoid such men as these. This is scripture twice saying if they're not walking in it and moving in it, you don't need to be around them. If they're not walking in it and moving in it, you don't need to be around them. Avoid them. So does that mean that they'll never have attack? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that when they have an attack, you will see them put on faith, stand up strong, and work that faith. And you'll see them go through. They will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Not that they won't be there. They can be found in the valley of the shadow of death at times. But you will see them go through. You will see them go through. You will see them stand strong. See, I'd rather have somebody that tried something and failed than somebody that never never tried it at all. Let's just say, you know, let's say that Jared, he's standing up and, man, sickness attacks his his body or whatever, and he he stands up and he says, Lord, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, right? I'm trusting you. And then let's say that he doesn't see healing come. I've been there before. I've, I've seen that. I've seen, you know, it not come the way that I thought it should come. Well, what am I, am I more happy, you know, am I happy about that? No, but I know if he will be humbled with God, God, your word always is working in me. Now, I may have missed something. I humble myself. Will you help me see what I've missed? Will you help me see what I've missed? Will you help me see that? And what's going to happen? Eventually, he's going to get to the place because the word works. And when he gets in humility, grace and greater grace is going to be given. He's going to get to the place where it works faster and faster and stronger and stronger. Give me the person that won't quit every day. Not the person that the devil, you know, look at Paul. Did, was Paul attacked? Oh my gracious. Have you ever read that list? In the deep. Multiple times, left for dead, beaten, stoned. How many times? A lot of each one. He was attacked. He was attacked. But he was more than a conqueror. He was an overcomer. He's the one writing this stuff. You know, he's the one writing these small, these small little tribulations. They're nothing. I mean, he was left for dead. They thought he was dead and walked off. And then he he gets up and goes to the next town and preaches again. Still bloody. Still carrying the marks of the stoning. Gets up, brushes himself off and goes in there. I bet he was a sight to see that day. Can you imagine walking into the church and, and you got stone marks all over your clothes and beat up and bruised and, and, and your eye looks a little funny? Because a rock hit you right there? And he's preaching. I'll tell you this, there's something about it when you see conviction in a, in a person. When you say, look, I trust God no matter what. This is what happened with Job. All this stuff went on. In the beginning of, in the end of the first chapter, he hits his knees and says, Lord, basically, in context, Brian's paraphrase, I don't know what's going on, but I worship you. Oh, there's something in that. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where we're going, but Lord, I worship you. All of a sudden, God says, oh, you see that? That's my man. That's my woman. You see that? That's that child of God right there. And grace and greater grace is given. But the question is, do we trust him on that level? Do we walk on that level? Many times we, we're, we think that, you know, there won't be any persecutions whatsoever in our life. The devil's not going to try and stop you. I think not too long ago you and I were talking. 
Lord, am I going to get to this message and all these notes? Maybe next week. And uh, I, not too long ago, you know, you see people, they'll come into the church and they get to the place where they need to be. And all of a sudden, they get a job promotion. They get a job promotion. And it just so happens to take them off a Sunday morning. Or it, it moves them out of town. And their source is more the money and the position than it is where God has planted them and they uproot themselves. Happens all the time. Or he comes again, you know, all of a sudden a family's getting plugged in. And, and man, the devil just like, oh, they're getting ready to plug into the right place. And the devil just starts wailing on them. I mean, he just starts sickness in the, in the kids and, and job uh, money looks like it's going down and everything else. And, and they're like, man, what's going on? The devil's trying to stop you before you get started. Because, see, there's something about a train, like when it starts going, and you can't stop a locomotive once it picks up speed. And when you start connecting to the power of the Word of God in your life, it's like a locomotive. It's a fire. It's a hammer. And it'll break through every stronghold. And the devil doesn't want you to connect to a place that carries that kind of power and that kind of momentum. So he tries to jump on you as quick as he can. Don't let them get connected. Don't let them get connected. Y'all saw some of that. And you have to stand strong, recognize what's going on. Oh, the devil's showing his hand. One thing about the devil, he always overplays his hand. And if you'll just pay attention a little bit, you'll see him working overtime to get you to not do the very thing he wants you to do. And if you will learn to recognize that, you'll start to say, oh, that's what you don't want me to do. Well, then by God, that's exactly what I'll do. And I'll do more of it. So take that, you slimy, slew foot, scoundrel, jerk, devil. Take that. I'm going to do it more. Oh, you tried to attack me with fear when I went to go win some souls to the Lord. Oh, really? That's what you don't want me to do. Well, let me get even better at it. Yeah. Do it even more. Oh, you don't want me to connect to that body. Oh, let me connect all the more. You don't want... Why? Because he's trying to keep you back from being the winner that God's called you to be. The overcomer. More than a conqueror. That's what he's after. That's what he's after. He wants you to stop being in God's house and on God's team, because if you get there, you win. 2 Corinthians 2.14 But thanks be unto God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Put that up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 2.14 but thanks be unto God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. You are called to win in the items that God puts in front of you. You are called to always win. All we have to do is take Jesus by the hand. One thing to recognize, though, is that we haven't always lived this way and we don't always know what to do, which is why he gives us spiritual leaders in our lives that we can reach out to and say, here's what's going on, what's happening. Ask more questions. Humble yourself to the place where you ask more questions. Many times there'll be wisdom waiting on you that you weren't even aware of. Y'all had something just this week. You had a situation, you were trying to decide what to do, and you just reached out. You're like, hey, Pastor Brian and Nicole, this is, what we're going, this is what we have on our plate to make a decision about. As soon as you started talking, I didn't say it to you right away, but as soon as you started talking, the Lord presented a solution in my, in, in my spirit, from my spirit man, in my mind. After we talked a little bit, I gave you that solution. You went, oh, that's a good idea, and then went and did it. 
That's what, ask more questions, more often. There are solutions waiting on you as you humble yourself because the Word works. The Word works. We have to work the Word. What are they doing? How is that working the Word? The Word says that you humble yourselves and you submit yourselves to your leaders. And when you do that, when we know from submission in James 4 and in 1 Peter 5, that grace and greater grace is given. Most people sit back and they're like, well, I got this and, and I don't need to ask any questions. That's actually a form of pride. And that's what messes up a lot of people. And it's like, will you make it? Yeah, you'll probably make it because God loves you and he's merciful. Not because we made all the right decisions, because he's merciful. You'll probably make it through. But could you have made it through quicker and better and easier? Yeah, when we apply the word, the word works. The word works. So I remember when y'all were going through some of those attacks, you know, um, six months, a year ago or something like that, you were really just getting connected, but y'all reached out. Hey, Pastor Brian Nicole, hey, seems like stuff's not working. You know, you might have even said just that. <laughs> stuff's not working. So that's okay. Say, the devil doesn't want you to connect. He doesn't want you to plug in. He's trying to get you off track before you get picking up speed. But when you reached out and humbly said, hey, you know, and humbly said, hey, we need some help. All of a sudden, there was a grace that was given and some of those attacks started to break off. Now, I've noticed that a lot of times we'll have moments like that in our lives but then we'll go on down the road and we're like, well, I learned what to do last time so I don't have to reach out this time. And what happens is, no, humility is a thing that we should carry with us that should be daily active. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit that we always walk in, that we should always be carrying. And so even though we may have walked with the Lord for quite a while and seen a lot of fruit, I still reach out. To my pastor, I still reach out to Brother Tracy all the time. Ask them questions. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Why? Because I know there's grace and greater grace in my submission, and I know that they're called into our lives. Lord, what, you know, what do you think I ought to do? And a lot of times he'd say, you need to go talk to the people I placed in your life. It happens all the time. Why? The word will work, but we have to work the word. Many times people are not working the word. They're not actually operating in his ways. He calls his ways holy, but they haven't been doing that. The word will work if we will apply it. If we will walk in it. The word will work. It's working for you. The word always works. It always brings about. It always brings about what it was sent to accomplish. It always works. The question is, are we believing it and receiving it by walking in it? Are we believing it and receiving it by walking in it? Somebody online might be going, what in the world? Because they might not have been able to hear it through the mic. Like, what did he just do? Hey, what does that have to do with the message at all? Like, that's, huh? It, it's good, Miss Bonnie. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> it is completely good. I haven't heard that ring before. That was a new one. Sounded like the old wind-up uh, boxes that you have. Yeah, the music box. But somebody online might be going, what in the world is he? What's that got to do with the word works? I don't know, honestly. We have to learn how to apply the word. But we have to learn what the word says. How many of you, the Lord asked me this question one time. He said, he said, the stuff that you thought you knew five years ago. He said, did you know it as well as what you thought you did? I was like, 
<laughs> no, 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 no. He, he said, but you were pretty sure of it five years ago. I said, yeah, yeah, I thought so. Then you go five years down the road and you look back and you've had new revelation and everything. Most of you, I could ask you that same question. Stuff you thought five years ago. <laughs> Where is it now? Did you know everything you thought you knew? All right. And then he said this, the stuff five years before that, that's laughable. Ha, ha, ha. No, I didn't have a clue. What about five years before that? And, and he says, then could you probably, and he, the Lord asked me this, he said, could you probably assume that what you think you know right now, five years from now, ten years from now, you probably don't know what you think you know. I was like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good assumption. But isn't it funny that we will not ask, like, is something, you've heard me say it before, a lot of times we get into this spiritual teenager type thinking. We, we've been in a service where the joy came about and I was pinned to the floor and, and I was just laughing hysterically because the Holy Ghost touched me and, and I've seen the power of God and I've, I've prayed for you know, somebody one time and they got healed and we think that we arrive and, and it's like a teenager, they have, you know, once they get up into teenage years, they, they've been taught more than they ever have been before and they th their worldview truly is the biggest that it's ever been. They can see more than they've ever been able to see before. But is it where it needs to be? No, not even close. Not even close. I've said this before, and I remember uh, my dad used to have a, a statement. He said, I don't even think people ought to be able to vote until they're at least 25 or 30. And I remember hearing that, and I was like 20. And uh, thinking, well, that's just rude. <laughs> that's just rude. That's just wrong. And then I got to 25 or 30, and I thought, huh. And then I got to 35 and 40, and I went, my goodness, he was right. <laughs> I didn't know anything that I thought I knew. I didn't know anything that I thought I knew. My worldview was bigger than it had ever been before, but it was not what it needed to be. It was not what it needed to be. It needed to be much greater. Well, the same thing can happen in spiritual circles. You can get to the place where you feel like you've arrived and you think that you know some things, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, well, I don't need to call pastor about this. I've done this before. Well, there may be grace waiting on you. There may be an answer that you haven't thought of yet. There may be uh, some supernatural anointing that comes through when they pray for you and we submit ourselves in that way see we're called to walk in a life of humility and when we work the word part of working the word is staying in a humble state so that grace and greater grace cannot just flow every now and then but it can continue to flow all throughout our lives and that means that God has put us together to bring it about in its fullness. Quickly go to Ephesians chapter 4. Obviously we're not getting to the other notes. Maybe we'll catch those next week. Bring your notes back again. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 8. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. He led captive a host of captives. When, when, when did this happen? When he ascended on high. So these gifts that he's about to talk about... It says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. These gifts that he's about to talk about, uh, a correct term is these are the ascension gifts. Now, skip down to verse 11, and it describes the gifts. It says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, 
some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. These are the gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the ascension gifts that God gave. Now, here, let me just ask you something. You know, I may have at one time in my life, you know, maybe, I think, maybe, re-gifted something. I may have re-gifted something and given away something that was given to us that we really couldn't use, but then we re-gift it to somebody else because we think they might be able to use it or re-gift it themselves. <laughs> but I just know about God that he's not in the business of re-gifting. And when he gives a gift, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. What we're really talking about today you know, now that we're off our notes, is we're talking about the humility of work in the Word. We must humble ourselves to the Word and apply it in the way that we need to. We must humble ourselves to what the Word says. Many people, if you try to talk to them about doctrine today, they'll just say, well, I just don't believe that way. Well, you're not going to have the working of the Word in your life because you don't believe that way. You choose to either believe the word and God and his ways or you don't his ways works our ways don't and so if you want success and supernatural help you choose to do it God's way so he says you know I gave gifts to men now do you think these gifts come without any value in them oh no these gifts have value or else God wouldn't have given them they have value they have great value matter of fact if you carry on in the New Testament, it says you need to honor these gifts and honor the men that are called into your life, which y'all did so well today for my birthday. Thank you again very much. But you need to honor the gifts, and, and you need to esteem the gifts. And if you don't esteem them, then you won't receive out of them what you could. And this is a part of submitting to God and his ways because we're not talking about your ways or what I think or what you think. We're talking about what God thinks. These are his gifts. Now let's say that uh, Nicole uh, was buying a present for my birthday and uh, she spent a month looking for the right thing. She spent a month going after and trying to find the best gift and she finally found it. She took her time. She set aside money just so she could buy the nice one. And all of a sudden, and on my birthday, I received it. I said, oh, thank you very much. And, you know, I, I checked the box of giving Thanksgiving. But then I took that gift and I set it over against the wall in the corner and I never utilized that gift again. <laughs> now, wives, don't be looking at your husband. As soon as I do that, all the wives look at their husband. <laughs> and let's say that I set it in the corner and I never touched it again. What am I doing? I'm saying to her, your gift doesn't mean anything to me. I don't esteem it like you esteemed it. I don't esteem the price you paid. I don't esteem what's in that gift. Not only that, but if that gift actually has value and I take it and I never use it, wouldn't my life be better off if I used the gift? If it's got value, yeah. But if I never actually use it, then not only am I showing a lack of esteem and a lack of trust, but now actually I'm also, my life is at a lower level because I'm not getting the good out of it. Isn't this like Jesus when we take the things that he's given us and we don't esteem them? We don't esteem them. We don't apply them. Look at this. Look in here in chapter 4. And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Verse 12. What for? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, <coughs> to a mature man, watch this, to the measure 
of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and this is his word, and his word can work in us if we will work the word. But he gave these, why? To grow us all up. Now I want you to see this. Till what? Till we grow up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. The fullness of the stature of Christ. Does God want you to walk like Jesus walked? Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Can you do that if you don't apply the gifts? No way. Because that's God's way. But see, I want you to see this. I, I forget who put it out there, but just a couple weeks ago I saw a great little meme. And it said this. Just because you go and listen to a man preach doesn't make him your pastor. In other words, you're either submitted to the shepherd or you're submitted to somebody who's just talking to you, but that's not submission. You're just getting what you want, but you're not submitted in that way. So a lot of people are checking the box of going to church, but they're not giving any uh, insight into their life. They're not letting anything come into their life. They're not submitted like the Bible tells them to. They're not utilizing the gifts. They're going to get up in heaven, hear this, they're going to get up in heaven and they're going to say, God, I, I think I did a good job. And God's going to say, you didn't do half the stuff I wanted you to do. What? Well, you didn't go to the church I wanted you to go. You didn't plant yourself. You didn't submit yourself to the pastor. You didn't submit yourself to other men and women of God, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They would have helped to grow you up to the fullness of the stature of Christ, but you only grew like one quarter. What? I thought I was doing right. Did you actually read the book and apply it? And so there's a whole working of the word that we need to say, Lord, I give myself to your ways. And if we don't give ourselves to his ways, we, don't act, we can say we're humble all we want to, but we're not. Look at what happens, though, when we give ourselves... Verse 14, as a result of growing in this way, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What, what is it talking about? He's talking about the inner workings of a church, of a called out one. You remember the word that I can see now how the Lord has, why he's got me here. You remember the word I had for you at the beginning? And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He's saying church be the church. Church, church is not church if you're not submitted to a pastor. That means you're giving them the right to reach into your life and examine some things. Church is not church if you're not giving yourself to the soil. Church is not church. If you, your church is not church, if you're sitting there and you're not utilizing the anointing, if you're not utilizing the anointing, church is not church. Church is not church if you're not opening up your lives to other people. Church is not church if you are not bringing your supply of faith, hope, and love because every joint supplies to the growing. The word says, I think it's Psalms 92, 13, or 14, it says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord do flourish in the courts of heaven. See, the word works, but many of us haven't been working the word. Many of us have not been working the word. And many of us have not been working the word by being submitted to the ways that God's already told us to be submitted. But it's a time for us to say, Lord, I'm going to be planted. I'm submitting myself. I'm submitting myself to the ground. One of the things that's very important is this, is that uh, when you plant a seed, 
Do you know that the Bible even teaches that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it won't produce. And then he uses that same terminology where he says, a person planted in the house of God flourishes in the courts of heaven. That means that when we go into a church, it's not about what I'm doing and, and what I think I need to do. It's, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to respond? Most of it's already written out in his word, but we've got to take responsibility for that, and the leadership has to make sure that they don't take advantage of that. And if you, if you have issue with that, well, I've had people burn me in the past. That, I get that, I understand that, but it's time to be healed of that because ultimately you can't stand up in front of Jesus and say, well, I would have submitted and gone to that church, but I had this church burn me. Jesus is going to say, well, did you not have me that I could restore you? I could have restored that, and now you're giving me an excuse for something I've already given you that you didn't utilize. So you have to say, and if you have, if you have a, a leader that you're following, you know, that, you know that, hopefully that's none of y'all here, but it, it could be, it could be because you could have brought something with you. You could have been hurt in the past. And I get that. I understand that. We've seen that. And one of the things that I found is that as, as we continue to move forward, the Lord will show you, hey, this is the right character. This is the right nature. This is the kind of person that I'm called to follow, and they're not going to take advantage of me. Does that mean that every leader is never going to make a mistake? I've never seen one. I've never seen one that hasn't made a mistake, including myself. But here's what you'll see out of a good leader. Even if they make a mistake, they will correct it. They will be quick to repent and change. And they'll even come in front of you and say, hey, I, I missed this, I'm sorry. You know, I'd rather you know that I missed it and I'm sorry than try to protect my reputation by not telling you. By putting on the perfect thing, which is what you saw some of this morning. Let me tell you how the devil's been attacking me the last few days. Now, here's the thing. We can't sit back and say, I, I'm not going to submit to a church or a pastor or anything because just there's too many that have done the wrong thing and I've been hurt in the past. We can't do that because he says, my way is to give ourselves to our spiritual leadership. And he, in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but he has placed the members in the body. God has placed the members. It, here's what 12, 18 doesn't say. I'm going to put in front of you two or three churches and you choose which one you want to go to. He doesn't say in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, uh, shop churches. That's not what he says. Uh, he doesn't say in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, uh, go to the church that has the best kids program. It's not what he says. Well, my kids really like this one and, and they don't know what to think about this one. That's not what it says. It says God has placed a member. The thing we have to do is we have to get on our knees and say, Lord, I understand that most of y'all already know this, but it's not just for us. We need to be strong in the word, and there's also people that are watching that don't know. We need to say, get on our knees and say, Lord, I know you have placed me. Uh, I need to be planted. That means I need to give myself to that place. I need to give myself to the soil of the field where you planted me, to the body that you have called my home. That means I open myself up and I lay myself on the table and say, let me further the vision of the field where you planted me. Your things and eternity is stronger than my retirement home. Lord, soul, one soul is worth more than a beach house. Yeah. One soul yeah. is worth more than a big IRA. Yeah. One soul is worth more than all my dreams on the earth. One. 
I need to give myself to a ministry that's going after eternity, that has eternity in their mind, and they're not making excuses for it. They're going after it. And Lord, when you tell me that place, I will plant myself, and the Word will start to work for you. I I think I, I told you a week or so ago, and we had a friend, and we had been in church together, and it was going great, and God was doing these great, mighty works in their lives. And then all of a sudden, I was talking to him some years later, and we were not in the same town anymore, and, and he said, hey, Brian, will you pray for us? We're just, you know, I know that God's powerful, but I just hadn't been seeing his power. I hadn't been seeing his healing. I hadn't been seeing breakthrough in my finances. I, I got some decisions to make. I hadn't been seeing all of that. I said, where are you going to church? And he told me, and I knew that the church was not walking in the power of God. Maybe convincing words of man's wisdom, maybe tickling the ears, but there was no healing. There was no manifestation. There was no financial breakthrough. There was, there was no miracles at work. There was, they might have been winning some souls here and there, but there was a lack of power. And we read that verse already. It says, avoid such men as thee. Follow those who faith and patience inherit the promises, not just the promises you agree with. And I I said, you might want to try and find another place because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word preached. And if you don't have manifestation happening in that place, then you're not going to have it operating in your life. The Word works, but we have to work the Word. And that means we have to go about it His way. We have to humble ourselves to His way, not our way. Let me tell you, the world world has taught us many, many wrong things. And we got to be willing to take all of our doctrine and all of our thinking and what's gotten us in, in our life and lay it on the altar. If you remember the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler, according in Mark 10, according to the world, the rich young ruler had success. But he came up in front of Jesus, and Jesus, you know, immediately, I would say by word of knowledge, he put his finger right on that area and said, this is your problem. And immediately, he he went away sad because he had much riches. See, the issue is some of us have had success on this earth and we think that that gives us the right to think what we think instead of humbling ourselves. Our life of humility is one that needs to be all the time. Lord, I humble myself to you. I lay myself on the altar every day. Lord, whatever it is that you show me, I'll go after. Whether it be to submit to a pastor, to plant myself into a church, to give myself to faith. To, to be like a child with you. Whatever it is, Lord, I humble myself to you. This is Christianity. And this is where the word really starts to work. Many, you know, a lot of times it's very important to recognize the difference between the mercy of God and our faithfulness towards God. Many times we thought we were being faithful, but it was really just the mercy of God. And we attribute it because we have this corrupted flesh. We want to say, well, that I knew so much and, and I, I learned this stuff. Spiritual teenagers, you've seen more than you've ever seen before and you think the majority of it was your doing. The majority of it was God's doing. It was his goodness. It was his mercy. And how could you even grow up into a little bit of faith if it wouldn't have been for the mercy of God? You look at, you look at uh, you know, the loaves and fishes in, in Matthew 14, feeding the 5,000, loaves and fishes. Five loaves, two fish, at least 15,000 people, 5,000 men, at least 15,000. How much were they bringing to the table? Not too much. But here's what they did in all humility. Lord, I take what I am, and I take who I am, and I give it to you. And God said, oh, okay, I see your humility, and I see what you have in your hand. Now let me multiply it by myself. And they fed the 15,000. What could happen if every one of us humbled ourselves to the word 
every day of our life, planted ourselves, gave ourselves as the grain of wheat, dying to the soil where God has planted us, and said, Lord, I'll be a part of what you're doing. I'll be a part of it. It will be my family. It will be the people that you've called me to be with. And I will go, and I will do, and I will go after your kingdom and after your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing. Thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing. Lord, I give myself to you. And we humble ourselves, and the word works. How many people want to see the word work in your life? Man, I do. I want to see it work in your lives, too. But we've got to be the people. See, I can't put on humility for you. I can't put on submission to the word for you. You have to decide, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to submit myself. I'll be that grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. I give myself to you, Lord, and I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for helping me when I thought I had it together, but I really didn't have it together. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. When I came under attack, when everything was going good, Lord, thank you for helping me. Now I want you to see. You know, in our country, we thought that we've been the ones that made America great. You know, I'm not making a political statement. I, th I, I agree, we need the greatness that America once was because we've lost some of it. But here's what I want you to see. We thought it was us that blessed it. And we've proven that because you can, you can see the empty seats in churches everywhere. It wasn't our greatness that made the country great. It was God and his hand that made it great. It was the Lord's blessing. And if you step away from the Lord, you step away from the blessing and over a period of time. But see, it's been a lack of submission on the country's part and Christians' part to step away from the one that we should be worship, worshiping. It wasn't our hand that made it great. It was God's mercy and his grace. God shed your grace, his grace on thee. It's God's grace. And just like he'll shine his grace on our country again, if we will humble ourselves and pray, he will shine his grace on our lives individually and as a body of Christ. But we got to say, Lord, let me get me out of the way. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. And I'm not going to assume that I know what that is right now. Lord, I'm going to go after you. And I'm going, I'm going to seek you and find you when I search for you with all my heart. You go after him and you watch what God will do in your life. It'll be amazing. It'll be miraculous. It'll be breaking off sicknesses and diseases. It'll be breaking off lack on your finances. It'll be moving up to places that you could only dream of. He said, I'll do these things beyond what you can even ask or think. He's already made it available. It's been sitting here the whole time. A gift. Not just the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Not just those gifts. He's made all of his gifts right here. Waiting in the corner of our lives. To be unwrapped by humility. When we will put on humility. Lord, I'll do it your way, not my way. I'll put my doctrine. Hear this. I'll put my doctrine on the altar of humility. Lord, kill any part of it that's not right. And when we put humility on, we're able to unwrap the fullness of the gifts of God and the word will work with you. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you right now for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let us unwrap your gifts by humility today. Just everybody's heads bowed and, and I want you to do this. If you just feel the call of God to humble your, humble your heart 
even more than you have in days past, to, to hit a new level of humility. You can feel it this morning. Lord, let me humble myself to you. If you feel that this morning, I just want to see, hey, Lord, he was talking to me this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. He was talking to me. I need to humble myself. That's great, almost everybody. Thank you, Father, for working in the lives of people. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Father, I ask that you would just crack open the shell. Show us even deeper the parts that we need to walk in. Lord, let us humble ourselves. In areas where we have thought that we have arrived, Lord, show us. You're so big and so great and so mighty. We're not even halfway there yet. We're not even a quarter away. Your plans are so much beyond what we have right now. Lord, let us walk out the fullness in Jesus' name. Let us walk out your fullness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you open up every heart. Open our eyes of understanding to see so clearly what it is that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, work your word in us, but Lord, show us how to get ourselves out of the way and be who you've called us to be. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just let them work in your heart right now. Let them show you things. Let them show you things that you need to see. Do you realize that there's a level of life that you have not yet attained? There's parts that you have not gotten to yet that God wants to take you to. But the only way for Him to take you there is to break the old thinking and the old limits and show you new things. Many of us have had an idea in our head, well, if I get to this level, then I'm doing pretty good. And I'm successful. God says, I got more than that. There's more. There's more. There's more. But in order for him to help us get there, we got to lay some things aside. Let me not think that the mercy you've shown me in the past is the fullness of what you have. But just the beginning, Lord, let me grow in who I am with you. Let me be who you've called me to be. He's drawing you up to higher, to more of what he calls normal. Thank you, Lord, for working on hearts right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that our eyes of understanding would be enlightened. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that breakthrough right there. Thank you, Lord. 